Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Uh, joining me today is your co-host Brent Snyder, and it's just the two of us. And today we're going to talk about COVID-19. The bell has been rung and we are affected, so let's get into it. As many of you know, COVID-19 has now been on the news, it seems like nonstop for what, about three weeks, maybe four? Yeah. Uh, starting and originating in China, making a way over here into the United States. Countries most affected were what, Italy, China, and I'm not sure who else. Well, actually, today I just heard that we, the United States is number three now. We're number three. Yeah. And we're being encouraged by the Center for Disease Control in uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, to practice social distancing. The president has given a presidential decree to, uh, I don't know if it's decree, what's the right word here? Uh, he has asked us to not be in yeah. groups of any more than 10, which affects Sunday morning worship. So let's just... Start right out with the gate and ask the question of uh, what are we supposed to do in reaction to this? These are I've been in ministry since 2001. I've never seen anything like this in the United States. Uh, we had something similar happen in 1918 with the Spanish flu, killing a lot of Americans and churches in Washington, D.C. being shut down from, I think, September of 1918 until March of, of 1919. But um, we're now going to our second week of being all online here at Grace. And I guess the first question should be, should we meet? What does it look like if we go ahead and have services and, and pay no attention to the CDC, pay no attention to what the president has asked, and pay no attention to uh, what all these other outlets are saying we should be watching? Well, in North Carolina, it's not, you know, you don't just run into the issue of going against the president's recommendation if you will no more than 10 people but you know our governor issued an executive order of no gatherings of more than 50 people and so if if i understand that correctly we uh if you if you have a gathering of more than 50 people and this would include churches that's it's actually a second second degree misdemeanor i think and so uh, you would you would technically be breaking the law and and that I think that plays into this, and I think it's also important for churches to understand this isn't a religious liberty issue, you know. Even though uh, most most Baptists in North Carolina are probably not fans of our governor for many reasons and many good reasons, this is this is not a religious liberty issue. You know, this isn't anyone any governmental agency trying to silence. The church. This is about the protection of the vulnerable around us, which should be a primary concern for the church. And so, um, I would I would discourage churches from gathering physically right now, um, and and gathering via via services online. We'll, we'll, this will be this coming Sunday will be our third Sunday online. Yeah, well, in Tennessee, we don't quite have the same issue. I know in North Carolina, the governor's pretty liberal. Mm-hmm. from best we can tell and so uh, probably a lot of our more conservative churches most of our baptist churches in north carolina i would say are probably not real trusting of the governor there but in tennessee we have 
In Tennessee, we have a governor that is trusted here in the mountain. He is very conservative. And so uh, I think the people here are willing to take his recommendations. Now, I don't think the recommendations from the governor in Tennessee have been as forceful they, they're as if they have been in North Carolina. I don't think he's made it a misdemeanor to meet. And uh, several churches in this area have gone ahead and had services, one church that's right down the road from us. Uh, we did not do that. And as in the words of one of my deacons, he said, we kind of end up looking a little bit like Jehovah Witnesses who won't give blood. And they're, you know, they're just most concerned about their own religious practices and who they are and don't look very concerned for others or even their own people. I read an article this week that a church went ahead and had services last Sunday, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, and a visitor contracted COVID-19 and got it there from, they traced it back to that church service. So I think that to go ahead and have services as normal looks very uncaring right now, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah. Despite whatever you think of your own governor. Yeah, absolutely. So then let's ask this question then if we're not going to go ahead and have services how are we going to how are we going to function as a church right now we're all I'm sure familiar with the terms of the church gathered and scattered right we gather together for worship and uh and then we scatter to do the great commission and evangelism uh how are we going to do the church gathered now when we can't get in groups of 10 or more what are the options Yeah it's been interesting especially seeing how this has forced churches and pastors and worship leaders to think outside of the box. And everybody's doing it a little bit different, I presume. Everyone's using using a different platform. Uh, but one of the things that I think we need to keep in mind, especially as we talk about the church gathered and the church scattered, for a season now, and this is going to be temporary. We don't know how, how temporary, how, how long this may last, but it is going to be temporary. We're, we, we can have confidence in that. We're going to have to not just do ministry as the church scattered, but we're going to have to worship as the church scattered. And I think that there's a huge opportunity here to encourage the families in your church to be able to worship together in home. And what, you know, the significance of worshiping together in home. And maybe even use this as a way to encourage them to start that practice on a, on a weekly basis, on a weekly routine of, of worshiping together. So for us, you know, we want to limit the number of people that are coming in contact with one another at the church. And so I'm, I'm preaching the message at the church and doing it online at about 1120. And we're actually just sharing a couple of uh, lyric videos on YouTube on the Facebook page at 12 o'clock for families to just bring those up and, and worship together in song and prepare their hearts for God's word. Um, that way we're not worried about having people at the church to do music and all that sort of thing. We can really limit our staff. Some churches I know are maybe bringing together a small uh, a small praise team or having special music and doing that live. But, um, but regardless, we've got to think about what it looks like to worship as the church scattered. And I think putting an emphasis on family worship is a really good way to do that. Yeah, and then when we're talking about family worship, what we're really dealing with here is we're trying to teach the sheep to feed, to self-feed. Yes. And so, you know, setting aside time to feed together. When we have family worship, of course, we're going to have, every family's going to look different. Some are going to be just an empty nest who are at home. Uh, some will be widows. Some will be, you know, mother, father, kid, children. You know, some will be a single parent home with children and, and the father or the mother is not there. And so in each of those scenarios, you know, at our house, we just keep it simple, right? You just read a passage. We, we watch a couple of songs on YouTube, <laughs> praise worship songs, sing to them. 
I try to really encourage my children to learn to pray during those times, you know what I mean, and teach them the parts that are in a prayer, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that way they'll be a little less scared if they're ever, you know, called on to pray in another context. Yeah. And then uh, we ask questions, and sometimes we do fun stuff where we'll act out the Bible story. No. Yeah, this is, I know, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, like, they, I don't know how many times we, act, we have acted out David and Goliath at my house, but there has been quite a few times where we've gotten kitchen chairs and one got to be Goliath. We didn't, yeah. but no children were hurt in the reenactment. <laughs> no one got their head cut off or nothing like that. But, but it's a lot of fun, and the kids really like it. And, um, you know, there's there's some great kids' Bibles out there yeah. to bring it down and put on their level. Uh, might put some of those in the show notes for today, but uh, but you know th- that's one thing. So so then te- teaching the sheep to sell feed. Uh, Mark Clifton, who we're fans of here at Appalachian Baptist Network, he he recommended going through you know um, a book as a church to get mm-hmm. people like uh, what are those books called? Ex- expositional preaching books. Um. Christ-centered exposition. Yeah, Christ-centered exposition. Yeah. Pick one of those. Everybody can get one and uh, have them shipped either to the church or the house and, and then go through that together as a church. This in particular for those churches that are probably not, we're not as ready to do live, you know, mm-hmm. live streams as some of the others. We've been very blessed at Grace. God set us up that we were doing live streams and online giving and everything before this happened. So we were able to adapt quickly but I know there's a lot of churches that are probably listening to this. They're asking, what do I do, right? right. So let's, let's just ask this question. Should we be putting a lot of pressure on ourselves as pastor or church leaders to get the live stream up, or are there alternatives? I don't think, I, I don't think you do have to put a lot of pressure on yourself. And, and I've actually, I can't remember. I want to say it was the Revitalize and Replant podcast maybe I was listening to and they were talking about some of the, these things. I'm not 100% sure that was the source, but I was listening to some podcast and they were talking about some of these things. And it might have even just been Mark Clifton. Uh, and he was talking about, you know, if you're not already set up to do, to do worship via a live stream or even a recording, video recording for that matter, you know, if, if it's something that you want to do, then, then do it. That's fine. But, uh, but there are certainly other options. Uh, one, of my, one of my professors from my time at Fruitland actually did his service online on Saturday night, and I watched that, and he told the church, the reason I'm doing this tonight is because there's going to be a, good, a ton of good preaching on Facebook at 11 o'clock tomorrow. And so you can, do, you can listen to me tonight. We can have our church worship service, but listen to somebody else tomorrow. And so there's plenty of people doing it online, plenty of, of good expositors, preaching online at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings right now. And so you can encourage your people to listen to them and don't know how pastors do notes. Um, I know something that, that I've heard a couple people talk about is um, just send your manuscript out to people. You, you can even you can do that. Um, you don't even have to worry about preparing a message. If you just study through um, one of these Christ-centered expositions, we should probably put a link to Lifeway and mm-hmm. those those um, in the show notes as well um, so whenever, whenever I say you don't necessarily have to worry about preparing a message I don't think that that's being a lazy shepherd of the flock but it's just it's just stewarding the resources that you have and even stewarding an unfortunate and and uh, I guess uncertain situation for for God's glory and just figuring out how can church look different for a couple of weeks? Because it's not like you're going to quit preaching forever. This is just hopefully 
a, a very temporary fix or solution to a, a temporary problem. Well, I think we're all looking at Easter. Easter is right around yeah. the corner. And I can't imagine, I, I have no memory ever of not being gathered with God's people on Easter Sunday morning. Like this will be a very odd time if it goes past Easter yeah. that we will not be together. And plus, Easter's on my birthday this year. So I'm <laughs> praying my birthday present will be the church gathered together. Yes. So uh, anyhow, so the the preaching aspect then, maybe not put as much pressure on you. Mm-hmm. You can figure out alternative ways to yeah. get the Word of God in front of your people and to work through it together. Uh, let's talk about congregation care during a time like this because we can't go to the hospitals. They're on lockdown. I think the most they're letting, at least in Tennessee, the hospitals are only letting one person be with anybody that's admitted. Usually that's going to end up being a spouse or a child, you know, of that person. And so you're not really able to do pastoral visits. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we keep up with needs in the congregation? It really kind of makes new new visitor of course you don't have a new visitor but <laughs> as much but you know following up with people you're not going to be able to go sit down with people or have a meeting in a restaurant restaurants are shut down yeah. a lot of the avenues that we use for pastoral care are just shut down right now so mm-hmm. what does pastoral care look like right now you know i think i think the easiest way is is certainly certainly a phone call because i don't even know even if you've got elderly people that are at home that aren't in a hospital or a rest home that's locked down. You know, I'm not sure how wise it is right now to even do an in-home visit with them. I'm not necessarily saying don't, but I'm certainly saying think about it before you do. And so, you know, phone calls are incredibly important. I know most churches have a phone tree system. And so for us, we just, I just did another phone call, making sure that people knew, you know, contact me, how to get a hold of me, all those sorts of things if you need something. And and I would I would also say that, Pastoral care may not look like visits right now, but it may look like uh, like delivering necessities. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as getting a couple of deacons or your young adult Sunday school class or whoever it is to say, hey, let's, let's take phone calls from our elderly folks, people that are nervous about getting out in public, and say, hey, what do you need? And when they say we need some milk, let's go to the store, pick up some milk, set it on the front porch for them. And, uh, and and that's a way to service your 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 folks, even if it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it's not a one-on-one visit or an in-home visit, but but you're certainly meeting a need by protecting them from getting out in public, but but also providing them with the necessities for life, unless it's toilet paper, and then you're not going to be able to find that to take it to them anyway. Yeah, there you go. So. Uh... I would I would have never dreamed, you know. Remember remember in the good old days like two months ago when toilet paper was plentiful? <laughs> it was remember amazing. That? It was amazing. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk then about another issue that the church may face. Uh, churches are just like any other organization. It takes gifts from the from the body to keep the church operational. And then if you're a Southern Baptist church, a portion of every gift that is given goes to keep our missionaries going on the field. And so this is a good time to remind the church members to remain faithful in giving, not just for the sake of your local church, although that should be important enough, yeah. but also we're holding the line for a lot of missionaries too. Yeah. Uh, so what are some ways we can do giving in a time like this? How can the church receive tithes? Maybe you're not set up for online giving. What, what's the encouragement? Well, I think 
I mean, if you aren't set up for online giving, we'll share a resource here in just a minute to help do that. But it's still almost, it's almost too late for that now because yeah. especially in our area, there's a lot of education I think that needs to take place with online giving. And it's going to be hard to educate your people without being able to meet with your people. And so the ship has kind of sailed on that for the most part. But uh, you can, you can, I've seen where churches are getting like lock boxes and setting them, you know, on their church property for really? people to drop off wow. checks. Um, you can certainly have people mail checks. Uh, you can even have people still do direct deposit into your into your church's bank account. Um, you know, if you if you have office staff, of course, have people drop them off that way. Uh, we've we've even offered to go and pick up tithes. You know, have someone come and pick up a tithe especially if it's an elderly person, you know, just set it out in the mailbox or something out before they get there and they can pick it up and, uh, and, and take it back to, to the church. And so there's a lot of different options um, for, for a pastor. I know it's difficult because, you know, you don't, you don't want to make that phone tree call and say, hey, we, we still need your money. But the reality is, hey, the church, it still takes money to operate. And, you know, just as importantly as you mentioned as the church operating, I know for us, you know, about 22 to 23% of, of every offering we receive is going either to the cooperative program or missionaries that we support independently. Yeah. And so um, those people are going to be hurting now too because some churches that have more, we don't have any, any debt or anything, but churches that have debt, they may have to make the decision, are we going to give to CP this month or are we going to, are we going to pay, pay the loan payment? Mm-hmm. And so... Our, our missionaries are at risk of struggling if we don't continue uh, to, to give during this time, even though we're not meeting corporately. By the way, speaking of which, um, I haven't talked to Kenny this week. You know, we're looking mm-hmm. at partnership. Uh, Avery's got it. But we have some friends from uh, school that are in Spain. Mm-hmm. And Spain is on a complete quarantine shutdown right now. You are only allowed to go to the grocery store, walk your dog once a day, and you can um, go to the doctor. And if you are out for any other reason, I think that you are like fined or ticketed. Wow. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting that they've, they've got that. So they said they're fighting over who gets to walk the dog every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but our missionaries on the field, some of them are dealing with this uh, issue even on a, a more uh, detrimental level yeah. than we are here in the States. Yeah. So, um, so anyway... Well, uh, what about... Um, uh, oh, and the giving link was... Uh, yeah, the giving link. Yeah, yeah. so I actually saw this article today. I've not, not really followed up on it, but um, Lifeway has a online giving platform. It's typically something that you pay for like you would any other platform, but it's called Generosity. And I saw today where they're offering generosity to churches for free during this time. And so... Um, you can go, uh, I can pull up the web address, but you can go to the web address, you put in your church information, and within 48 hours, you your church will be able to for to be set up for digital giving. The, the web address is lifewaygenerosity.com forward slash coronavirus, and we can probably put that in the show notes yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll put it in there. But, uh, so, I mean, you can, there's, Lifeway's offering that. That's a great, great thing that Lifeway's doing, offering that for free for the time being. But again, you still have the challenge. Even if you get it set up, how are you going to educate your people on how to use it? Yeah, and I think that there is a. I know here at Grace, I was we were looking at maybe one fifth of the 
ties that came in this last week came in online. Mm-hmm. You know, still four fifths wanted to just either drop it off or mail it in. Yeah. So there's, and I don't know if that's just because it's new or I think some people don't know if it's trustworthy. Like, yeah, they don't know if they, definitely. And so, and that that falls into our culture too. And part of the reason we have more churches here that aren't set up, I think, to live stream because there's a distrust of technological advances. And yeah. so, you know, I, my, my parents, you know, I, even though I would say my parents are pretty technologically advanced. You're still going to hear them say more often times than not, "I'm not going to put my credit card in there because I don't know who else is going to get it." You know, yeah. and so a lot of people, a lot of people have hesitancy with that. Yeah, that's no doubt. Well, uh, let's let's just kind of go through some reminders here from uh, Spurgeon's ministry. Many people, many Baptists, we look to the past to one of the great leaders here, and on the Gospel Coalition, they posted a article on March 17th called Five Lessons." from Spurgeon's ministry in a cholera outbreak. And so we're going to kind of go through these quickly, uh, the things that he did. If you're unfamiliar with this, there was a a cholera outbreak, which cholera is a, a bacterial sickness in the stomach that causes uh, uh, the person to be dehydrated without any kind of medical attention. A lot of people died from it. If you can imagine London in 1854. Just became a newly called pastor to London's New Park Street Chapel, and this, this cholera outbreak happens, and he is having to go to, he's just doing visit after visit after visit. He's going to a lot of funerals. Uh, some of the things they list here that he did, one thing he prioritized local ministry. Spurgeon wrote this, During the epidemic of cholera, though I had many engagements in the country, I gave them up that I might remain in London to visit the sick and the dying. I felt that it was my duty to be on spot in such a time of disease and death and sorrow. And of course, I don't think COVID-19 is as deadly as this outbreak would have been, but still I think that trying to stay home as much as possible and be available here locally is critical for a pastor right now. Second thing he says here, he adjusted his meetings but continued meeting. Uh, He didn't have the technology that we have, but I think that they made several efforts to not have quite the size gatherings they normally had. And uh, so we've talked about that. Three says he cared for the sick. Uh, says here in the year 1854, he was very grief stricken, and uh, he said, "I had uh, scarcely been to London 12 months, and the neighborhood in which I had labored was visited by the cholera, and the and the congregation suffered from its inroads. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of the smitten, and almost every day I was called to visit the grave. And I tell you, if you've had three funerals in a week mm-hmm. that's one is draining yeah. you know yeah. if you can imagine seven in a week that's yeah. that's hard to even fathom for me so he he spent his time caring for the sick as best he could that's gonna look a little different from us i think for us we need to make sure our people have what they need yeah. right like you said earlier and and making sure they're there and even though we can't always sit with them he was open to new evangelistic opportunities uh, just this week, now Jacob Gwynn is not on here with us today, but he did something different. He had church at the drive-in, and I've heard of people, the news showed up, and all these different people showed up, and they couldn't even see him. He was preaching in a booth that he wasn't even in front of them, but uh, they used some kind of a transmitter, and, and everybody that's there at the drive-in picked up the same radio frequency, played a couple of pre-recorded songs, and he preached a message, and he said about you know, 80% of them were not part of his church. Now, yeah. 
they may have been churched people, right? So they may have been people used to going to church. But well, are there any other opportunities we can use this? I mean, my dad always said, don't waste a crisis. Is there any way we can use this for the gospel? Well, we talked about meeting the needs of the elderly in your church, but you can meet the needs of the elderly just in the community beyond those that are church members. Um, I know a lot of churches that are doing some different things to help provide meals for kids uh, since schools are closed and they're not getting the free meals at school. And so there's, there's definitely opportunities there. But I would just say, in general, um, this is a really good opportunity to ex- ex- sort of expand the platform yeah. of people that you're reaching. And especially if you're using technology to do your services. You know, we saw that even this past week. You know, I, th- this past week was the best viewership, I guess you could say, that we've ever had of one of our Facebook Live um, face- Facebook Live services messages and so uh, part of that is because there's more people at home watching part of it we got some new technology and so we were able to promote that a little bit better but um, doing watch parties and things of that nature if what is a watch party for those that aren't familiar so if you're on facebook um if if your church is is streaming through facebook live then a member of your church someone who's following your page can host what facebook calls a watch party and open that up for friends to be able to come in and watch and they can even, you know, if you're watching whatever you're watching, they can comment on and sort of talk about it with one another. But it's it's just really a, a good way to share the live event with friends. So like what we talked about, um, we had a guy in our church that was doing a watch party that has way more friends than our Facebook page has followers. Mm. And a lot of those would be unchurched uh, friends, friends who are far from God. And so by him doing a watch party, all of a sudden his friends are seeing this notification and seeing this event going on, and so they're jumping into his watch party to be a part of the worship service with him virtually. And so it's just a really good way, I think, to sort of expand your, your platform. I, I, I joked because I had four new friend requests after I got done preaching Sunday morning, <laughs> and I assumed that it was people that had, had watched the Facebook Live and then did the Facebook snooping, you know, uh, investigation to figure out who was who and so it's a good way to ex- ex- expand your platform right now and and get to the eyes and the ears of more people in your community yeah I think that's definitely true and you know I've heard of several churches I mean I I personally am not a huge fan of the before this happened the drive-in church I mm-hmm. didn't really quite understand it on a lot of levels but it will meet the requirements mm-hmm. Everybody stays in their own space. Um, you know, Jacob said the only thing he lamented was he didn't pass the offering bucket around enough and didn't have nothing to pass around. But uh, but anyhow. And then finally, the last thing that this article notes is uh, Spurgeon entrusted his life to God. Hmm. And and this is the thing that we have to be, you know, we have to really believe down to our socks as pastors, right? That, yeah. that we are entrusted by God. Uh, like Psalm 91 reminds us, a thousand may fall at our right side and 10,000 at our left, but the Lord will make sure that we, his men will continue to serve and his message will go forth. We're not ours, we're our Lord's, right? Yeah. So anyhow, any closing thoughts on this episode on, on COVID-19, anything we missed? Just, uh, just as you should every Sunday, preach and emphasize the gospel above all. You know, don't let the concern of the day and, and the fear that is among many of our many of our flock, many of the people in our communities, uh, overshadow the the hope of the gospel at the end of the day.
All right, thank you. Join us next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.